and welcome to Blue Royalty, a London is Blue podcast dedicated to the Chelsea women's team. I'm your host, Jess Parker Humphreys, joined by Abdullah Abdullah and Ollie Glanville to talk through a 3-0 win over Bristol City. That means we are top of the tree at Christmas. Ollie, how are we feeling after that one? Yeah, um, back to normal, right? Normal service has resumed. <laughs> yeah, I think it was one of those ones where you're like, oh, I was feeling like low key nervous about it just because having seen the problems that they'd given Arsenal and United and like our form at the moment, I just thought, oh my God, just really want to get a nice, easy win. And we definitely still had some nervy moments, Abdullah, but overall, I think it was about as like sort of ideal and comfortable as a win as you could expect. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, yeah, like you said, a few nervy moments, but I mean, overall, I think it was relatively comfortable for this chain side and, and you know, Bristol had their moments, but um, I think everything considered, I'm just glad that we got a good 3-0 win. Players got a run out and uh, we were able to really push through and, and, and go through to Christmas on top. Yeah, so we'll we'll do a little chat about the game. We will also talk on the very, very useful North London derby win that Spurs had on Saturday, which was probably actually my highlight of the weekend as much as I enjoyed us winning as well. Um, I really enjoyed Tottenham winning, but let's kick off as we always do with a three-word match review. So got some of uh, your guys' off Twitter. Emily says, top for Christmas. Uh, Felipe says, Neve, what for? Uh, question mark obviously in reference to Neve's late sending off which was a little bit unnecessary uh, bounce back needed says Joe Boy Intel 19 Jess says Merry Christmas Blues Michael says back to blue Damien says Micah makes debut they all sort of rhyme debut and blue uh, Eric says good but improvable um, I'm going with because as I've said the North London derby was probably my favourite of the weekend thank you Spurs um, we couldn't well we would have been top anyway but we wouldn't have been top with a points gap without it. So sometimes you got to rely on your enemies, you know, and they, they came through. Uh, Ollie, what are you going for? You had an immediate one in the WhatsApp group. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely Christmas number one, just a standard one. I do like your riff on the old Olivier Giroud. Thank you, Arsenal! <laughs> a, a nice version to go with, I think. Uh, Abdullah, what are you going for? Yeah, I just went for as you were, you know, like standard, you know, service resumed. Spurs did a job for us. Arsenal lost after a big win. Nothing crazy. And yeah, I think we're as you were. Yeah, um, no complaints really for, for us from this WSL weekend. We will obviously go through all of that. But let's take a little quick ad break start and we'll get into the game itself. So we are talking about Chelsea's 3-0 win over Bristol City. Goals from Lauren James in the 17th minute, Aaron Cuthbert in the 34th and Sam Kerr in the 59th made this a pretty comfortable win for Chelsea uh, despite Neve Charles getting sent off in the 96th minute for her second yellow card. I think the main talking point from the team sheet, Ollie, was... I think, well, I think the excitement from the team sheet was that Hannah Hampton made her debut in this game. And I think that distracted quite a few people who then realised that we seem to uh, only have one working centre-back. Yeah. Um, and there was even more confusion when all the kind of, you know, random uh, score results checkers apps that we all have decided to uh, confuse us between Ingle and Shukniskun and... We were wondering, you know, who would actually play centre-back. But yeah, 
Lovely to see uh, Hannah complete the bingo card for the season of uh, of um, goalkeepers that we have at our disposal. And uh, yeah, we'll get into it. She made a pretty crucial save in my eyes in terms of, uh, I can't remember if it was 1-0 or 2-0, but yeah. Yeah, I um, I was a little nervous, Abdullah, about this decision to play Hampton. I don't know whether maybe Musevic wasn't well as well, for example, or, but you know, there was no AKB after she missed Hecken as well, so I assume she's still not feeling well. But my question mark kind of was ahead of the game, like, sure, it's Bristol City, but at the same time, this defence is already quite destabilised. You're bringing in Shurkaniskan to play there for the first time for the club. Do you really want to put a new goalkeeper behind them? But it paid off. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think that was probably the biggest concern. Like, not like if it's Hannah Hampton and like your usual pairings of Buchanan, Mialda with Jess Carter, then you're fine. You know, you've got the experience back for to take care of the goalkeeper. When you have a new pairing at centre back, You've got an Ash, returning Ashley Lawrence after a while, and obviously Neve is, is is a regular there. Um, with Han, you know, with Hannah at the back, it's like, oh, you know, even though it's Bristol, it's it could be tough, you know, communication and all that. But they look comfortable. I thought Shuka looked comfortable in her position. Hannah had a good game. That there was a really good stop, a couple of stops there. Um, to, at the end of the day, I thought it was uh, a complete performance. So, uh, you know, holds well. Yeah, I think the the flu issues feel like a bit of a worry because it's amazing. We start each season with like what feels like a super strong squad and then suddenly you're like, oh my God, like we've got nobody available. I, I guess what's weird about it, Ollie, is it, it's hard to sort of know like how and when this clears up and we've got to go to Sweden on Wednesday. Yeah, and it's kind of informing our subs as well, right? Like we'll get into the, the second half as well, but I think Ash went off because she'd just come back from flu. Um, I think... On comms, they were saying AKB had flu. We don't know about Zashira. And yeah, it's like sweeping through the squad, right? And it, um, yeah, I'm, I'm just glad we were very professional and kind of, I, I thought we were pretty impressive, to be honest, considering the assignment and considering the recent history of our, our games. So yeah, happy to get. Yeah, and the stats just kind of bear out what a dominant performance it was. 73% possession, 22 shots, 11 on target. They had seven shots, two on target. Um, We made 710 passes to their 272. Uh, They had nine fouls, we had five. Uh, They had two corners, we had five. Interestingly, not a super high XG, though, Abdullah, 1.4 to their 0.47 I think that kind of reflected the fact that we scored two incredibly good goals in the first half. And there was definitely a sense as the game went on of being feeling like, okay, we were three nil up after an hour. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. I think when you, when you score goals, like the way um, both Aaron and and Lauren scored their goals, you're like, well, you kind of took your chances there and then they kind of just step back a little bit. Like you said, because we got to go to Sweden in, in, in midweek, it's like, okay, let's take a step back. Let's preserve some energy and, and let's play from there. I, I, um, it's also, I mean, like you said, Ash came back from, from the flu. So maybe she wanted to conserve some energy. Girl, Ryan's just come back from a long-term injury playing two games back to back. Frank Kirby starting two games back to back after a while. Sam Kirby, we know about her issues and Aaron seems like she's played like, you know, a whole load of games. Um, Jess Carter's played like a bunch of games since the start of the season. So I, I think with with 
with these sort of like you know players playing so many minutes and a lot of players coming back, I think once they went up, I just didn't think that they wanted to really step up. And especially when the third goal went in and all the changes were made, it was like, all right, just conserve energy. We're getting into that period now where um, we need to conserve energy. And yes, it's a, and for whatever it is, it you know midweek becomes a huge game in the Champions League group stages. So if you beat Bristol pretty easily early on, to conserve and put your energy out over there because anyway, after that you're gonna have a, a little bit of a, a break to rest and recover anyway. So I think it was a good move and 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 probably a, a thought out strategy that way. Yeah, I think everyone wants that opportunity, right, to be able to take everyone off sort of around the, I don't know, 65-minute mark or so when they when they all went off and, and give players a bit of a break. But it was a bit of an, a nervy start, Ollie. I thought you could definitely tell that some of us were feeling, you know, maybe a little bit of extra pressure on this game, not just because of the recent results, but I think also because of the, the North London derby win that it felt like, you know, we really knew that if we won, we you could basically say that the Arsenal result not didn't matter. Obviously, it happened and it's annoying, but, you know, there's a million worlds where Arsenal lose to us and then um, beat Tottenham. So, you know, you end up sort of with the same uh, point, point gap. Um, but I felt like Ashley Lawrence, you could tell she maybe wasn't, maybe was still feeling the effects of the flu. There was one, like, sort of strange pass... Uh, very early on. I thought Jess Carter as well looked a little bit unsure, but do you think that's worth worrying about? I I do I do worry about Neve as well, actually. Um we will get into it obviously in terms of the in terms of the spending off at the end. Spoilers. Um <laughs> but yeah, it it does feel like a few of them have been slightly overplayed and you know with this kind of fluid issue it does feel like maybe those options were few and far between maybe when we thought they were much more available than they were. Um, and obviously, you, you know, with Chelsea women, we never actually get the full picture of injuries anyway. So we we can never, even when we're moaning and, and seeing these kind of changes that we want to implement, it's quite interesting, you know, when it actually finally comes out and you see the kind of reasons behind it. But yeah, Ash, um, she had her speed endurance but she didn't have that kind of uh, decision-making as sharp as she usually does. Um, she was kind of a step off in a few tackles. Um, and and going forward, she didn't have that kind of zip in her passing or, or those kind of one-twos. But you expect that, you know, when, when you, you've just come back from flu. But I do think if she was fully fit, Neve would have come off and we wouldn't have had a red card like I, I do think that completely was was the change that that kind of created that instance there but it was a very tired challenge from Neve. but yeah in terms of overall fitness I thought we played some really nice stuff and just going back to the stats we were shooting again we we shot you know that that was that was a huge part of this game you know we we went through against Hecken and we were essentially refusing to shoot from anywhere outside of two yards out um, trying to score perfect goals and we have players in this team who can score ridiculous goals and we can get into it you know with with LJ and Aaron but like just shoot there are some world-class um, shooters in this team and we should be using them yeah definitely and I mean case in point Abdullah is is LJ's opener which was uh, every time she scores goals like this I, I still can't quite believe it. She, you know, she picks the ball up in the midfield from Sophie Ingle, 
sort of moves forward a little bit and she lines up a shot but even in the moment where she's lined it up it doesn't almost feel like she's gonna shoot it could be like a cross or a pass and then suddenly it's like about to break the net because she's generating like so much force on it and honestly I just do not get bored of seeing her score goals like that and we know she's had a really really tough week um so I was just so happy for her to sort of like have that I mean listen it's LJ she's always going to take those shots but it was great to see it go in yeah for sure and I think what makes it more impressive is that she doesn't need much space and much room and then there's no backlift and it's almost like there's no backlift and just it, to generate that power with very little backlift and to be able to shoot I think is crazy and yeah anytime she gets it and the thing but the thing is to me I'm like is she only scores those worldies like every time you see her score a goal it's just like edge of the box she's going to shoot from then you know it's coming every time but no one can stop it. It's just it's just there. She just takes a shot, and more often than not, it's either uh, an effective cross or it's a shot that goes in on target. And, uh, you know, I think that's becoming a, a very, very big trademark for her. And, yeah, I mean, I don't think you can get tired of seeing um, world-class finishes like that. I'm intrigued to see, and I, I may be jumping forward, but I'm intrigued to see how if anything, teams will start to stop her from getting into those pockets of spaces and maybe they start doubling up on her and doing that. I know that there'll be other players around that will that will benefit from it and she's good enough technically to get the ball to be passed out between, uh, you know, double lines of press. But, you know, we have seen times where she's been marked out of the game and then it gets to a point where she's completely ineffective when she is marked out. She's getting better at evading that and, and, getting, and getting better at it and, you know, evading that. But... I want to see how, you know, she does, how she manages to cope with that. Because it just seems like it's, again, she, I'm, I'm I'm simplifying this. She's really good in those positions and does really well. And it's in a good way, predictable, because you know she's going to get there. You know what she's going to do and you get what you get that. But I want to see, I want to see how she then reacts to when teams specifically target her in those, in those positions and how she gets out of it. Because if she can avoid that, then do we literally have, uh, I mean, not that we don't already, but a massive match winner just sitting there a la Eden Hazard, basically. Yeah, and I think actually, Ollie, something that's quite interesting about that, and this might sort of have to be the case, is her versatility in playing in different positions. You know, like, technically today she was playing off the right, but we saw a lot of interchange. Like, she's basically on the left-hand side of the pitch by the time she takes the shot, in this case, um, having been in the midfield. And that sort of feels like the key in these situations is, and, and Chelsea have a lot of players that enable them to do this, is to have sort of flexibility in your attack, which allows you to have James move around so she finds where there is space and, and she exposes, because there's always going to be you know, a player who you're able to expose, a player who isn't going to be able to get as tight on you on the opposition. It's just a case of sort of being able to put her up against them. Yeah, absolutely. And and when you have uh, the quality of options of Ashley Lawrence holding one side and Neve Charles holding the other side, we can have that fluid rotation with Guru, with Fran who dropped deep and I thought was really influential today. Um, and LJ just dropping into those pockets, like Abdullah's saying. I thought it was... There was a particularly useful instance of what we've been talking about in terms of the refereeing of Lauren James when they did try and double up and triple up, <laughs> just literally kicking her as they ran past. And the referee uh, waved play on three times when Lauren was fouled in the same passage of play, the same run, right? And then Lauren stumbles. She tries to play 
I think it's Frank Kirby and down the wing and it, it was over here. And the referee's still holding her arms out as if like it's acceptable to just foul Lauren James three times in a row. Um, so I think it's it's important to keep calling stuff like that out because I don't think basically anyone else in the league is allowed to be refereed like that. It's, it's very confusing to watch. But yeah, I, I thought just giving her that that momentum to run forward, that kind of free space, that quick play, those interchanges allowed her to find those pockets. And then the second half, she almost had another worldie where the, the keeper was well beaten uh, with her right foot where it crashed off the bar. But um, yeah, her first goal was beautiful. Um, the keeper was so well beaten that the ball had bounced out onto the penalty spot while the keeper was still in the air. So <laughs> that's, how, that's how hard it hit the net. It's lovely. But that second one would have been even more spectacular. When she took the shot, I thought she's going to get nowhere near this. And the fact that it still hit... I don't... I shouldn't doubt her at this point. Um, but yeah, I totally agree with you on the refereeing. It's It's something that's really, really frustrating to see because I do think there's some level of maybe microaggression going on because she is so strong and it's just it just seems to be this idea that because sometimes she can sort of like push her way through fouls and carry on with the ball at her feet because of her technical ability that that therefore it's allowed but obviously that's still hindering her and the way the way she has to play and it is it is super frustrating um something I thought that was quite interesting Abdullah was it felt like for lots of this game and I don't know if this was a little bit the influence of having LJ on the pitch, but I also thought you could see it with Guru, was that we felt quite narrow, um, and I didn't hate it, but I also thought at points, especially early on, it was hindering our ability to create opportunities in the box, um, definitely until Lauren's sort of opener, which obviously was sort of a spectacular individual moment. It felt like even though we had a lot of possession, we were struggling to play around their block. Were you surprised that we seem to be sort of taking this idea of going more narrow rather than maybe trying to like make more use of the width of the pitch? Yeah, to an extent as well, because while Ashley Lawrence's anyway plays a very inverted role anyway, even Neve started cutting inside for when, when she didn't need to. We didn't see any real overlapping runs, you know, crosses into the box. Everything was very narrow. I... And even even Fran was getting into those narrow positions as well when she was going wider outside. I I found that really confusing because usually when you're playing against lower blocks uh, and mid blocks, like against like teams like Bristol, you want to use the width and get the crosses in. Um, Maybe it was a mixture of the fact that they only had Sam Kerr as a real target in the box. I mean, obviously you have Fran Kirby who can make those late runs, but I, I think maybe height was an issue considering Sophie Ingalls, tall but she's not running into the box Aaron Cuthbert's not the tallest Lauren James is not the tallest Frank Kirby's not the tallest so if you have everyone going up on the left and crossing it for one player in Bristol's low block you can just really just pack her out and 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 kind of close her off so I guess that's maybe one reason why Chelsea wanted to use the, the middle because they're like okay we have Fran who's really good at running onto the ball we have Lauren who can do back post runs uh, and we have Sam who can play off the shoulder anyway let's try and outpass them in between there and and kind of go from there. So that's probably my only thoughts on on uh, real thoughts on I, why I think they went narrow because usually we see Chelsea always try and use the wide spaces, especially when Guru's on the pitch because she when you get her onto the byline, she's one of the best crosses in the, in, in in the league. And and Neve this season has proven that you know she creates more than enough chances for us off the left. I mean the last game I think it was what eight eight shot creating actions from uh, from Neve Charles and so. 
it's not like she can't do it. So it was definitely a deliberate ploy to kind of play around, I think maybe because of the height issue and, and players good in the air. Yeah, I also wonder at, at how much was maybe influenced by the feeling that Hayes spoke about after this Hecken game that Kerr, that because the midfield balance maybe wasn't quite right, that Kerr was sort of having to move out to be able to like work with Guru. And I wonder if there was sort of this idea of like, okay, well, let's keep to keep Kerr more centrally, we'll bring Wrighton in further as well and, and make the most of those areas. I do think it, it's interesting when you think about how Bristol have set up against those other big teams. Like this was definitely Arsenal's problem was that it almost felt like because Bristol play this, you know, very strict, very organized back five, that if you too much play out wide, it, it allows them just to stay in that line. And I thought what was interesting, even though at first, at least it was taking us a while to get into dangerous areas, Ollie, you could see that the movement and that narrowness was was disorganizing them because they were like, you know, the the wing backs like, wait, I have to follow Ryson here, and it was sort of I I felt like you saw that it did actually allow Chelsea to open up space. So I wonder how much of it was a reaction, not just to Heckham, but also the way Bristol have set up against the bigger teams. Yeah, and I also think we need to think of it in the context of the fitness issues as well, right? Because I think in this formation with the fluid rotation in the middle, we were supposed to have. Ashley and Neve kind of hugging those those wings but because neither of them were really completely fit I think a lot of them were worried about um committing really far forward because they'd have to get back and we saw that late on with the kind of recovery challenge from Neve right so that's maybe informed it but I think you touched on it already I think the kind of vertical flexibility was important here because we weren't we weren't packed uh, in a really kind of tight formation around the 18-yard box. We were dropping deep. So Fran would drop deep, then Lauren would drop deep. Guru was coming deep. Uh, Sam at times was dropping deep as well. And that kind of rotating box, I guess you would you would <laughs> call it as a kind of um, attacking formation. That essentially meant that Bristol didn't have anyone specific to mark at any one time. And it meant that they were kind of disorganized by that fluidity. So, yeah, it was a nice way of working around the kind of fitness issues and giving a lot of time to really quality players on the ball. And we knew we knew Guru wasn't completely up to speed, but she put in a brilliant cross, you know, going back to harking back to last season, the peak standing out to the back post and Sam nodding it in. So, yeah, all paid off in the end. Yeah, it did. And obviously that it certainly helped that, that Lauren's goal early on, I think, definitely relaxed us a bit more. And then Erin making it 2-0 um, before half time, I think, was really useful. This was another great finish. Abdullah. I tweeted saying that they were having sort of a goal of the season competition in one game. But I love when Erin scores goals like this. She's and I've really been waiting for her to get one of these. I know normally she's sort of lining them up rather than having it like drop onto her foot. But she just looks so calm. And I don't know if she knew that the Bristol City player was really bearing down on her, but I thought they're going to get there, get to her before she makes the connection. But didn't look ruffled by that at all. Just hit it so, so sweetly. Yeah, I know. I mean, when, when the ball was bouncing around the box, I was like, okay, where's this going to go? And then um, I was actually more, um, I don't know, maybe maybe Aaron didn't see it. I'm pretty sure she did. But the Bristol City player that was just charging and pressing her from behind, I thought that was going to mess up the shot completely. I thought she'd mishit it. There'd be a touch it got for a corner. But it was such a sweet hit 
and the timing of the shot versus when the player actually arrived, I thought obviously it was perfect. Um, because I think a split second too late or too early, and then the player comes in and 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 clatters into into Aaron. So I, I think just for that alone, I thought it was a fantastic uh, shot. But I mean, we've seen Aaron bangers from from the edge of the box before, and um, I mean, I remember it was at Spurs last year at Stamford Bridge where she had a she had a shot from just outside the box, and that 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 scored a goal. Um, so she seems to score goals like this, but I, I thought she was. Um, I thought she was outstanding pr- pretty much the entire game, and and I thought that goal was pretty much deserved. And there was there was a I was a, there was a lot of passion in that celebration. I mean, uh, I, I didn't know what that was for. I mean, it was okay two nil up. I, I don't know where I that came from. I feel like that's from. just Erin. I can't yeah. lie. I feel like every celebration, it's like she's just scored the goal that wins the Champions League final, and I'm totally here for it. Yeah, I'm good for that. I'm like I'm fine. I was looking. I went. I love the enthusiasm, but it's 2-0 against Bristol and we haven't scored like the winning 95th minute goal against Barcelona in a Champions League semi-final. And then fair enough. But you know what? I'm all for the passion and she's fighting for the I mean, she was oh, she was shouting at Aggie Beaver Jones, I think, at, at towards the end of the game, like, why aren't you tracking back? So I mean, if that's Aaron for 90 minutes against Bristol, then you know where the mentality is at in terms of it doesn't matter what kind of game it is. So no. But the goal itself was, I think, was just fantastic. I think Erin's been excellent these these past couple of games. I know Emma's sort of said that she still feels that she wants to work on, you know, how how and where Erin passes the ball. But I think in both of these matches, obviously after the Arsenal result, she's she's really like sort of stood up and, and been counted. And, you know, we know how good she is. I still feel like she's deeply, deeply underrated uh, as a player. And But it also feels like there's so much more to come from her. Um, And yeah, I thought... Uh, yeah she's so good at, at taking those those kind of shots um ollie you, you mentioned it when, when we we're going through the team sheet but uh yeah the other big highlight of the first half was the one-on-one hannah hampton save chelsea just got uh, it was i think nuskin maybe stepped out and got done and it just meant that sort of everyone had moved across and bristol then had a pl- player free um but hampton was out off her line so quick and um and and smothered it smothered it really really well uh it it was good to see you want to see her doing stuff like that in some ways because you know I think we had this a bit when Sachira first came into the team when you play loads of games where you have nothing to do it's still very hard to sort of assess where a keeper's head's at but felt like that would have been a real confidence boost for her not only did she you know get her first Chelsea minutes but she also knows that like she was integral to to us keeping a clean sheet. Yeah, and it was, you know, very low odds that she was going to be the selfie uh, video on at the end of the game as well. Because <laughs> we know we know Hannah's vibe. But yeah, it was really impressive, like textbook goalkeeping, make yourself big, you know, make a barrier, make yourself hard to beat, and just be aggressive, you know, because it forced that kind of weak first touch from the Bristol City um forward whose name escapes me. But um, yeah, that that made the save, right? Just getting out there and, and making herself big. So yeah, I'm really happy for her. Um, we know she's had to wait a long, long time for this. And, you know, we don't know the effects of the flu on, on Z or, um, or on AKB right now. But yeah, it could be the start of, well, a little run before the winter break for her. So yeah, let's see. Yeah, uh, good to see. It'll be interesting to see if she does start against Hacken. I had Flo Lloyd Hughes of Counterpress Fine in my WhatsApp saying Hannah Hampton has to start. Don't know where I feel on that. Gonna gonna ponder it over the next couple of days. Let's take another quick break here and we'll come back and we'll talk about the second half. 
Uh, so, Abdullah, one of the my favourite things from the second half was Sam Kerr scoring a goal. A classic Sam Kerr header from a guru right across. One of those ones where it feels like it's going over her head, but somehow she still managed to sort of lean back and generate the power. And I was glad to see it because I was starting to worry I'd broken her forever. Um, She missed two... Not... The first one I think she should have scored. Um, She just shot it straight at the goalkeeper and then she went through 1-1. I think the second one was a little bit harder to to get a good uh, get a good shot off but um yeah good to see sam back on the on the score sheet wasn't it yeah absolutely amazing and 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 i mean that header like you said was textbook um it was a classic sam kerr uh, sam kerr goal i mean cross out from the left you know we said they weren't going to the to the wings in the early in the game and then they started going in the second half i think that helped and um i mean the way she kind of got into the box moved a bit bit off the defender and then and then went for the header i think classic sam curve movement goal i think once they got a couple of goals spaces started to open up bristol had to push they had no other choice but to but to do that and i think it just gave us a lot more room to um a lot more room to, to, to maneuver and finally Sam Kerr scores a goal and it was a confident goal it wasn't like a, okay just tapping I know if a striker every goal counts but like it wasn't just one of those like tapping off the line or a two yard you know cross it was a proper cross in find the space win win the duel and get it into the corner so uh, I was happy with that and it's good to see Sam getting a little bit of her fitness back I, th- I think she said um, before the game of the press conference that you know she's slowly gets starting to get into uh, her fitness levels of you know where she normally would be at this point and and it's just obviously the two calf injuries you know after the world cup i think just really derailed her and put her into a position so if we can get prime sanka back for january then a full, the next six months three four months will be will be fantastic yeah and ollie obviously that goal sort of meant that we could make all the subs so we had um mia and aggie beaver jones coming on initially um followed by Jesse Fleming. Um, great to... I mean, Fleming, obviously, we see all the time, but great to see Beaver Jones official able to get some more minutes. I thought um, Aggie, in particular, was was very, very bright. Um, probably unlucky not to score. She had one quite big miss, which I was like, there's the XG regression when you scored a gazillion goals off, like, what XG? <laughs> yeah, I mean, she had a, what, like a 0.2 XG shot? like seconds afterwards where i thought by the curve of the ball i was like this is this going in the far corner we know we know aggie scores from here but yeah it was a good save um but yeah i also really like mia's hold up play as well um i thought she kept the ball really well um back to goal and she's getting that kind of layoff and and turn her marker down pat and it's yeah it's really exciting to watch um but yeah abj just keeps going and and looks like she's not out of place and i think that's exactly what we want from her i mean it's she is going to have that regression where she won't score every 28 minutes every single game sadly um but she will keep scoring goals work harder agnes that's what i say (laughs) make it 27 Um, (laughs) but yeah i i think I think she will keep scoring those goals because she keeps getting in those positions and she is a very solid player. You know, she's hard to get off the ball. She's speedy. She's intelligent. Like it, she's got like the whole package really. And it's about honing that and and seeing the player she can become. Um, but yeah, I think we ended the game uh, in the forward line with a combined age or average age of like 20.3 years old. And I, I can't remember the last time a forward line looked that young in a league game for Chelsea. 
Yeah, I mean, the whole team by the end, I think the average age got down to about 24. Jess Carter was our third oldest player on the pitch and she's only 26. Um, it's really exciting, I think, to see younger players being given the chances. Um, and maybe the most exciting one was uh, Michael Hamano being able to come on. I was mainly surprised she came on because I was so surprised Emma Hayes was telling the truth, which I think sums up <laughs> everything. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. When she said, "Oh, my commander's on the bench," uh, she she was. I was like, "No yeah. way is she gonna be in the squad for Bristol? Yeah, like, no first way!" Of all, yeah, exactly. Like, first of all, in the squad, are you serious? And then actually, and then actually getting the minutes, you're like, "Am I? You just like you giving us Christmas gifts early? Like, what's what's happening? Is this is this the only bit of truth for the rest of the season? After this, it's like you've had one. That's my that's my that's me done for the rest of the season." No, I thought it was it was amazing. And she didn't look too I mean, yeah, she had her moments of being young and inexperienced, whatever, but the technique, the movement, I thought her passing was good. I didn't think she was too out of place. I mean, I don't know about you guys. I, for me, like she gets integrated in this team a little bit more. I can see her playing a decently good part, you know, a la Aggie Jones style of like being able to create goals and and like if we need like a creative player to go and just create um it would it would really you know she would benefit and to some extent she reminds me of Fran Kirby from a few years ago when she was a lot more creative in terms of her passing and making goals rather than making those runs and scoring um so there is that and you know I you know she can she can turn out like that and 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 play almost the G Soyun role you know in in that literally that maybe that 10 pocket 8 10 and play this creative passer pure creative passer I think I think we've got a player, but we definitely have a player on our hands, and she looks like probably from all the lone players that are there now. I think she looks like the best one that's come back, and you know I think this might have just convinced a lot of people that she should be staying, and this is why she stayed. Yeah, it's it's interesting, Ollie, isn't it? Because I think some people, and I'd be intrigued to know where you stand on this. Thought maybe she'd get a WSL loan in January, and Hayes said, and you know that sort of maybe physically that that she's still obviously. Um, there's more to come there, which is understandable because she's very, very young. Um, but obviously the ACL injury to Anique has kind of freed up a, a squad spot in some way. Um, potentially it might be preferable though to have that filled by a defender uh, if Chelsea were going to look in the market in January. But I don't know where that's happened. Obviously Chelsea don't normally like buying in, in January. Um, they, they prefer to do their business in the summer. But where do you stand? Do you, do you want to see Micah stick around? 100%. Um, I think she's a very, very special player. Um, you know, you're talking about a golden golden ball winner at a Youth World Cup. Um, she has an immense amount of versatility. And I, yeah, I thought she looked really sharp today. And there was a really interesting moment where the Bristol City left back saw her come on. And she's got this kind of persona of being kind of cute and young and bubbly, right? And this Bristol City left back kicked her like off the pitch and like tried to shove her on the floor, blah, blah. Seconds later, Micah was having none of it. She just shoulder barging her straight back. And I was like, good for you. Good for you. Because that is, you know, it's like a welcome to the WSL moment. And it's like, you know, one of the more physical leagues. But Micah stood up and and stood her ground. And I think that kind of versatility, we were touching on it earlier, you know, that kind of fluid movement in the in the central part that is probably going to be crucial going forward, really, with so many, uh, so much attacking talent and uh, not many places to fit them. I think I'm really in favour of integration this season. Um, I think 
in terms of low knees, I always think of the talent opportunity slider. And it's like Micah's talent kind of outweighs the idea of just giving her game time. For me, I want her here first. And I hope I want her integrated, especially while Emma's here, because we we don't know kind of in the future that the the Chelsea women that that will be. And I, I want her integrated in the kind of winning mentality of what we have now. And I think this is an opportunity in the second half of the season, as you say, with injuries and other things. Like we have Shook to play centre-back, right? So maybe we don't have to go out in January. I think if you bring in Micah, you'll get a few really special moments from her as she kind of grows into this team. And I think that will pay out in the long run. Yeah, I think also, yeah, the point about Emma is a good one as well. Like taking that opportunity to to work under Amanda, who's obviously so good at um talent talent development, um, you may as well take that. And then if that's something you think you need to actually even reassess for next season, you can do if you want to, you know, especially because I think we can safely assume that there's no way Kat Macario is going to be rushed at all. So maybe maybe things feel different next year when Kat Macario is fully fit and there's another option there, but that that's not going to happen. You know, she's not going to come in and start playing like every single 90 minutes, obviously having been out for as, as long as she has. Um, what what did we make uh, of, of Shukun Eskin at centre-back Abdullah? It's something that we know she can do. Obviously, it's something she did all last season. It is a good sort of needs-must option, even though, you know, when... I, I she arrived, Hayes was sort of like, no, she's never going to play at centre-back. She's a midfielder. Here we are, December, obviously. Be- because it was desperately needed, there she is at, at centre-back. But I-, I liked her sort of, you know, willingness to nick the ball off Bristol players and then charge upfield. I thought that was good fun. Yeah, that was, I think that's her defensive midfield. I'm a number 10 instincts kicking in. Like, I, you know, that's what she does, right? In midfield, she wins the ball back and she goes on these four race forward. And I guess she she basically did a lot of the same from center back but i didn't yeah I, I to me i didn't think she looked out of place at all i thought she just kind of continued what she normally does in midfield just kind of did it a little bit further back with maybe a little bit more control uh considering she is the last line of defense um and you can tell maybe well and again maybe another emma hates truth bomb she's just not playing her at center back this is an emergency situation we needed to play so she's there but otherwise she's been true to her word playing her in, in midfield where she's supposed to be if anything she's not playing it as a six playing her as a 10 at times right so it's the complete reverse way that we wanted her to go. So, you know, it's fine. But no, I, I, I don't think we need to go and get another sense back because if you've got a situation like this where you got the flu hitting and you got Mielda out, Buchanan out, Millie out, and you have just a couple left, then you can use Sugar there and you you know you're fine. And then you have Sophie, Aaron, and players like this to come come in and play them in, in midfield positions, then I think you're you're pretty set with the squad. And I think now all of the decisions they made on squad depth and keeping extra players and, and like, why is this play? Why do you have three goalkeepers? Why do you have this? Why do you have that? I mean, for a second, imagine if there was no Hannah Hampton, she'd gone on loan today, assuming AKB is still with the flu and Zachira is kind of 50-50 with her health. Who plays? A 50-half-fit Zachira possibly cost up points today. Or you have a fully fit Hannah Hampton there who can come in and do a job. So um, I think now, I think it's pretty much we know that the entire squad will be used now and um, there will be moments, especially more going into the second half of the season where we will need a lot more of these players to step up and rotate. And yeah, I think, I think it's been, uh, I think, but yeah, Shuka at centre-back, good plays well. And I think we don't have to worry about centre-back depth for the rest of the season. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, it is it is certainly a good option to have, and, and she's clearly very accomplished there. Let's finish off talking about this game then by by touching on that Neve Charles red. Um, both yellows I think were were totally fair, and Ollie, you're kind of putting it down to tiredness. I think yeah, potentially that because it was just such an unnecessary foul to make. There there really really was no need. Um, the good news is is that she'll be suspended for West Ham in the FA Cup rather than United, which is our first WSL game back. Yeah, definitely. I mean, they were literally an identical incident. Like, she she got caught. She got caught on the turn, which is so unlike Neve because we know we know her pace and we know her like recovery is is essentially world class and has been this year. I just think it's a couple of games too far. Like, I I felt like I felt that way um, after she came back from England, having played literally every minute for us, um, and against Arsenal, I think you know some one of the reasons why she wasn't able to to go forward as much is is because she just couldn't like she physically couldn't go back and forward the entire time um and i, I again I, I think maybe it was just yeah a couple of games too many um she the the, the slides angle felt so kind of labored and it was like you know it, it almost I almost felt like she made it too late and she actually wasn't going to get to the play at all and it, she'd be fine but yeah it was it was kind of agonizing because the the referee had to wait until the end of the you know passage of play which was like a minute and a half later and then came back to me and I was like has she got away with it no sadly not. yeah I was like maybe the referee's gonna have forgotten no she turned around and she she was marching and it it was fair enough. It was fair enough. Well, I I guess Neve gets a long Christmas. Maybe that's what she was after. Maybe she just thought, I don't want to come back uh, afterwards. I want to wait until the twenty first. So and she will. Um, right, player of the match. I'm gonna go with Erin again, just because I thought she was really good. Great goal. Um, I thought she did really well in the midfield. Um, I think Bristol were a very like physical team and they put us under a lot of pressure but I thought Erin was like super calm on the ball was really able to sort of turn and drive when she needed to and just seemed to be popping up all over the pitch I think it was like her ability to keep her head meant that even in those early stages where it was a bit like oh like they're they're all over us they're very intense um it, it felt like we were always going to be able to like match them in that physical battle I'm just a big Erin Cuthbert stan right now uh, Abdullah who are you going for yeah, I gotta agree with you. I went for Aaron Casper as well. I thought she was really good in midfield. I probably one of her best games of the season up there. I thought there was there was a bit of leadership in there. Her uh, passing was great, tackling was great. Um, just being able to to kind of you know direct the younger players around her because that team eventually got really really young. Like we said, almost twenty years of age in the front line. So to kind of control all of that and then lead the team forward to a good three 0 win, I think was. It was good, and she's going from strength to strength. She's getting back to her to her levels that we were used to seeing her last season. And I think we're going to have any chance of winning anything. I think she needs to be at her at the top of her game, and and she was she was there today. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent, Ollie. Who do you think? Yeah, a clean sweep for her, and a hundred percent. Um, I I really I really like what Abdullah was saying about leadership. I love the moment where she was absolutely screaming at Aggie Beaver Jones on in like the ninety third minute to get back and help out um, Ev Perisso, who's playing left back. Because to me, like, you know, Emma talks about having her kind of generals on the pitch. And Erin is absolutely one of them. She wasn't wearing the armband, but it was, she's definitely one of the people who communicates the plan. She set the tempo on the pitch really well. 
she played forward she was aggressive in terms of uh, the challenges and counter pressing you know you uh, Jesse you touched on the fact that she could become a kind of pullover style role player um for us and that was kind of what she did today she she was kind of all over the pitch setting the tempo making sure that um you know players stayed in check especially the younger ones and yeah i thought you know the volley was world class as well she loves an outside the foot volley and yeah capped off with that triumphant Erin celebration <laughs> also can i just say i just went to have a little quick look at her numbers on on fopmop who also gave her the highest rating and she won all four of her aerial jewels and she is five foot three according to google i never know if google was entirely right but in her in her heart she's six foot five yeah i mean that's impressive <laughs> Go, Erin. Um, okay, let's quickly then wrap up this episode by talking about the North London derby. Uh, Arsenal did lose for the first time ever to Tottenham 1-0, Martha Thomas scoring the winner there. It means that we are currently top on 25 points. City are now in second on 22 with their superior goal difference. Uh, Arsenal in third, also on 22 points. Jen, sorry, Jesse, can I just check? Arsenal are third? I thought they won the league last week. They did win the league last week. Yeah, they won the league of biggest attendance possible. What do you think this means, Abdullah? Like, it's it's obviously great to have a gap at Christmas. Um, I think the biggest thing I felt was that my worry with Arsenal beating us so comprehensively was that that team, which is so feels like it's so driven by emotion all the time would be able to put together a really good run of results and i think to me that's why i was just so shocked at how bad they were in this game against spurs no i agree and 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 going like two back to back games in two big stadiums you think that after you know winning at the emirates like that the way they did against chelsea you'd be like all right cool we can go and literally smash any other team in the league we've just beaten the the league leaders and the champions and it wasn't like a one nil scrappy win like you said it was it was a convincing 4-1 win and to kind of go away to to spurs and and kind of i think there might have been an element of complacency in the sense that you know okay it's spurs we can we can beat them we should beat them we'll be fine you know we'll, we'll just go play our game and Spurs played well. They they made it very, very difficult. I mean, the goal that they scored wasn't like route one, let's just get it over the top. There was a bit of passing out from the back. And then, yes, it was a ball into Martha Thomas uh, that eventually got to her. But the, the, there was still a lot of work to be done when it got to Martha Thomas to be able to turn, get the players up and counter that way and, and then defend for the rest of the 90 minutes. And, you know, Arsenal have a lot of players that can come on and, and do a lot of damage. And it's just they felt... I think it just felt frail. And I think this is where the league is this season. I think there's just so much pressure in general from the teams around that you're like, I mean, you look, okay, we have a three-point gap, but Man City, Arsenal, United, and Liverpool even, you take those four teams, there's not much separating them. There's like, four points, 18 to 22, and you're like a win-loss draw. I mean, if those four, they're all played together in and around with each other, it's suddenly become a lot more tense up there, right? I mean, Liverpool winning today against United puts them on level points with United, then Arsenal losing to Spurs, and then Spurs come up. It's 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 crazy. So anything can happen, and I think the pressure of having to maintain 
your 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 winning streak and goal and 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 performances i think just becomes tougher and tougher now because maybe in seasons past you were like i'm probably going to win this game and i don't i don't nobody else is going to win around me now you don't know who's going to win and who's going to lose because the the level of teams up until everton even leicester has gone up where those teams are capable of beating anybody else in the league right you know we we saw Bristol give Man City a game a few weeks ago. They lost, but they gave them a really good game. They could have won. Liverpool beat United, you know. Uh, Tottenham beat Arsenal. You know, we, it's 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 there. It's in and around. So I think I think it's the pressure, but it's okay. Also, run on emotion. If the emotion goes down, we're fine. That that means that they should go on a bad run, and then we should be able to to walk away with it, and we'll be fine. Ollie, do you want to jump in? Yeah, no, I, I was going to say the warning was the warning signs were there midweek. Like I I feel like. Uh, Spurs put in a really interesting tactical game midweek and they went blow for blow with Arsenal and it felt like Idaval didn't really learn the lessons from that going into this game um, whereas the Spurs manager did I think it was that simple like Arsenal are a very very dangerous team going forward but they have shown frailty at the back and and I think that's you know that's the case and it has been the case going forward um, but yeah I think you know, we, we went away to City, frankly, <laughs> stumbled and stole one point uh, at the Joie Stadium. Um, and, <laughs> and then went away to Arsenal and frankly didn't didn't show up. Um, but we don't go away in the league to those places again. And now it's up to City and Arsenal to find those points back and win all their other games. And I think it's really interesting that those other teams have not done it before. Like this kind of configuration of squad haven't got over the line. And I think we've got more league winners. Well, I know we've got more league winners in our squad than anyone else. So I think that when it comes to it should make the difference. Hopefully, Yeah, it will definitely be interesting to see how this all plays out in, in January. Yeah, some of the other results. So obviously Tottenham beat Arsenal 1-0. Liverpool also beat Manchester United. They came from goal behind there to win 2-1. City smashed Everton 4-1. Um, Leicester City West Ham finished 1-1 a very very late equaliser there uh, to help out Rahan Skinner near the bottom of the table um, and Aston Villa Brighton is the late kickoff so we're recording before that looking ahead for us then we go to Sweden for our final game of 2023 it's really weird I felt like this section of games these four games before Christmas is going to feel really short but I think because Arsenal was so bad it's felt so long and now I'm like I can't wait for Christmas um but we do that then we have West Ham in the FA Cup United at home Real Madrid at home Brighton away and Paris away that makes up our January so it really comes you know thick and fast we basically play five games in what sort of 16 days uh which is crazy when we come back um so yeah it, it it's gonna be hectic from here on into the end of the season so it's good to at least have that three point buffer ollie abdullah thank you for joining me thank you very much it's fun pleasure as always and we will be back with you chelsea fans after that hacking game until then you know what to do keep the blue flag flying high <laughs>